what 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 did what did we just watch <laughs> look in the in the in the in the pecking order in the mount rushmore in some of the the craziest lions games that we've seen this has got to be up there it's got to be up there that was a that was a really painful watch and not painful in the sense that the lions you know took a gut punch towards the end of the game like you know against uh minnesota or against uh you know baltimore this year where last second field goals an nfl record knocks them down it wasn't like that it wasn't it wasn't a, a, a win being snatched away it wasn't like that this was just a brutal pro- this was just a bad football game this was a bad football team playing against another really not very good football team when you consider that Ben Roethlisberger was out of that game. Lions now 0-8-1. To say that this thing is just not right is an understatement. Chris Renwick here with you, by the way, here on Sports Wrap tonight on WJR. Um, Look, it's tough. Because being a Lions fan, you look, I don't need to tell you. You've been through it. You've been you've been dealing with it for, for your whole life. But this game was not like games of of yesteryear. This game was not like games in the past where you look at the referees and you say, What do you how are you making that call? And then, of course, as an organization, we anticipate hearing from the league and hearing how the referees screwed up a call towards the end of the game that inevitably ended up costing Detroit an opportunity to win. That's how this thing goes. Historically, that's been the case. That was not the case today. Down the stretch. uh, As you got into overtime. Jared Goff throws an interception. Oh, don't worry. Defensive holding against Devin Bush, the former Michigan linebacker. A roughing the passer call on Pittsburgh. That gives the Lions extra yardage. And then Ryan Santos, who missed an extra point early on, which certainly ended up, could have been, really, was the difference here. In this 16 to 16 tie. But then he missed a 48 yard field goal. And look, I, t- t- Jason, could you have kicked a better field goal? I think so. Was there a better effort there to have been had? Possibly, yes. <laughs> just by closing my eyes and just kicking it as hard as I can. I mean, <laughs> it was like a knuckleball. I've never, I, I, and it wasn't tipped. There was no deflection at the line of scrimmage. No, nothing. It was just a poorly, poorly kicked football. And I get it. Santos was signed late. You got an injured kicker, and you got to bring somebody in. All affairs, love is war. But my goodness, that was brutal. That was brutal. And in a case where at at the half, at halftime, after 
after two quarters of football. At halftime, Jared Goff had 11 passing yards. You heard that right, 1-1-11. You just can't have it. Jared Goff today, 14 for 25 for 114 yards. He had 113 yards over the last two quarters of that football game. That's still not acceptable. Sacked four times today. Taylor Decker has not looked good since he's been back. DeAndre Swift, meanwhile, after carrying the ball 33 times, racked up 130 yards. Still averaging less than four yards a carry, though. So I think you got to put that into perspective. Look, here's the deal. Lions weren't able to hold a, a, a lead in the fourth quarter, no matter how slim it was. They were up by three in the fourth quarter. And Pittsburgh was so, look, they were sloppy. They were sloppy. They gave you every opportunity to win that football game, and they couldn't. And then the Lions, in overtime, they win the coin toss. They elect to receive. They're trying to put this thing away. They need. They needed a. They needed a, a trip to the end zone. Game would have been over. Started out nice, thirty-yard pass from Goff to Amon Ross St. Brown. It just. It just. Look at, at the end of the day, this thing was a stinker for both of these teams. Was a stinker, and you look at how that overtime stanza went. Well, let me take you back to the fourth quarter, really into that second half. Here are the consecutive. I'm, I'm gonna really, I'm gonna take you through the whole from from quarter three all the way through overtime, just to give you an idea of what a stinker this thing was. Lions come out in six plays, 85 yards. They score a touchdown. They go up six to nothing out of the break. Then Pittsburgh answers with a field goal in their next possession. Thirteen plays later, they cut into Detroit's lead, sixteen to thirteen. Then listen to this: punt, punt, field goal for Pittsburgh. They tie it up at sixteen. Then punt, 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 punt. End of game. Overtime. Lions punt, Pittsburgh fumbles, Lions miss the field goal, Pittsburgh punts, Detroit punts, Pittsburgh fumbles. <laughs> it's just, it was real. It, look, look, it's, it's not a good product right now. This team is in a rebuild, but those kinds of, these kinds of games just can't happen just can't happen and I think you saw Dan Campbell on the sidelines there was a little added frustration there today I think little added frustration today because again you feel like where you should have gotten a win earlier this season you didn't feels like at this point that should have been one you should have been able to have and you just couldn't 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. That's the number for you to call or text. Coming up next, I want to hit on this piston situation because I have a very simple question. Like, I, I told you pre-draft, Cade's the guy, you get Caden here, 
and you stack it with some of the talent that's been there, some of the young talent that's there, so the, the the future pieces of this organization. I was really excited about that. Really excited about that prospect. They haven't been very good. So we're going to figure that out. Also, we're going to talk about Michigan, Michigan State coming up. A lot more to do here on Sports Wrap on WJR. Don't go away. To say that I was excited about the the, the Kate McNamara uh, is probably an understatement. Uh, Kate McNamara, Kate Cunningham. I really, I was very, very excited. Um, and, and I, I really kind of look at it as kind of a the springboard into the next phase of where this organization is and, and where they inevitably want to go. And to me, it made a lot of sense. I think best player in the draft. And, and I think to, 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 to put some sort of uh, label on, on the kid now is, is not fair. But I think you look at the other guys on this team, particularly Killian Hayes, Jeremy Grant, Sidney Bay, Isaiah Stewart. I anticipated them to take another step. I don't think we've seen that yet. Look, it's still very early in the season. So, uh, Rod Beard, Troy Hughes, Pistons beat writer. I need. I, I think we come to you for sane, rational Pistons discussions here. And look, I, <laughs> my, I'm panicking a little bit. I, I, I expected a little more. I know we're early in the season, um, but but where where do you view this team at? Are, are you a little disappointed? Do you think where they're at? Where where are you at with this? Well, it, it's funny because that's what I wrote about for tomorrow in the paper. Is that. Uh, this is going to be a, a slow, slow process. This isn't a just-add-water Kool-Aid sort of thing that um, people came with expectations of Cade Cunningham, like he would come in and start averaging 20, 25, 30 points right off the bat. And, and I think the Pistons' tack on this has just been he's the, the piece that we need, that he's going to make the other guys better, that he's the solid shooter that you need, that he's the facilitator that you need. Not that he needs to be the point guard 100% of the time, he just needs to be able to handle the ball and take some of the pressure off Killian Hayes. Um, and I think we're starting to see more consistent flashes of that, that the shooting is there, that the ball handling is there, that the vision is there, and that he can score. I mean, the, down the stretch, they, they had a double-digit lead against the Raptors last night, and they almost gave it away, but he had two big drives in the last two minutes that yeah. helped them to put it away. But he, he's not going to be your, your cowboy that rides in on the horse. That's still Jeremy Grant, but he's going to provide a lot of the things that they haven't had for the past couple of years. Well, what's the deal with, with Jeremy Grant this year? He, he's off to a particularly slow start considering kind of the season that he had last year. Yeah, I think it's he's he's trying to find his way with everything else. And other teams look at that. When you remember the beginning of last year, teams looked and said, oh, okay, well, uh, Blake Griffin is there. Derrick Rose is there. We can mm-hmm. um, we have to spread out what we're doing. Now they can look at Jeremy Grant and say, hey, we this is our main guy. He's the 1A in the, the scouting plan, scouting report of guys that you have to stop. And now you've got to figure out ways to integrate everybody else in that and take some of that pressure off of him. And, and so I think that's some of the pressure that he's starting to feel is that um, he, he's that focal point of everything that they're trying to do so um defenses are gearing particularly toward him and now the other guys have got to find their spots in within that too and and look shots just haven't been falling for anybody at all if you if they made two or three more threes a game it changes the complexion of some of these games at least and how they look in the first half instead of these being 20 point games they might be 10 point games and there's still Mm -hmm. something to play for in the second half 
How, how impactful was Cade's absence in the offseason due to injury? How, how, how did you feel like that set the team back as they approached the regular season? Or do you feel like, you know, this team had enough uh, chemistry uh, at the end of last year where, where they, they should have been able to kind of, you know, uh, pick up the mantle until Cade got around? I think it's a little bit of both that um, they've been the worst shooting team in the league. But the other side of that is they've had the most open shots. They've gotten the looks that they've wanted. The shots just haven't fallen. And and the proof of that is Killian Hayes is their best three-point shooter. Killian Hayes was a 28, 29% three-point shooter last year. And now he's getting a little bit better at it. He's not probably taking as many as he had. But w- without Cade, again, setting guys up, facilitating the offense – you had, what's he played in, five games, five or six games? Right. You've had, or, or seven or eight, he's played in a couple more. They've, they've had to figure out ways to generate offense, and they've tried Josh Jackson at, at uh, starting shooting guard, Frank Jackson, uh, Hamadou Diallo. They've tried everything they can to jumpstart this offense, and it just hasn't been there for them. So it, it's just going to be uh, a case of them slowly coming around and figuring it out. So they're not quite as bad as they were against Cleveland the other night but they're not quite as good maybe as they were against Toronto last night. The answer is somewhere in the middle of all that, but I think water's going to find its level and they're going to become a better shooting team, but not a 40, 50% shooting three uh, team. From yeah. Threes. Uh, yeah. I, I, I think, you know, part of the issue here too, and, and I, I, you, you would know you're, you're there, you, you're, you're, you obviously have your ear to the ground, but um, you know, you, they're three and nine last place in the division. Look, they're just not very good right now. They're trying to figure this thing out. They're trying to get some shots to fall. But at the same time, uh, you know, you, you can't you can't let this linger because you got to kick it into gear. You got to get to a place to where you can start winning games consistently. And when you're losing uh, at the clip that they are, it can be especially debilitating. What's been the vibe uh, at the building there? What's been the vibe amongst the team and, and Coach Casey and and all the things that they're dealing with, are, are they are they upbeat? Are they feeling bad for themselves? Where are they at? Well, I think they, they know that it, it's not good. They didn't have a good start. And after that Cleveland game on Friday, they said they had a meeting, a team meeting on um, Saturday morning before the Toronto game where they just kind of said, hey, who are we going to be? What's our identity? Are we just going to be a team that comes out and gets run off the court by 20 and that's okay? Or are we going to have some fight about us and some, some swag about us and say, we're going to come out here and compete. Even if we lose uh, 50 games like they did last year, they're going to lose them with some, some, some pride about them and go out and fight. And we haven't seen that in some of the games this year. They played Brooklyn uh, really close. They played the Bucks, um, and, and so it's the schedule is part of this three and nine start, certainly part of it that they've only had two kind of losing teams that, that you thought, Hey, these are going to be bad teams. These are games right. they should win. They, they ended up beating Orlando and Houston. Mm-hmm. And the, the surprise was last night against Toronto. Um, but you look at the rest of their schedule, you've got your Milwaukee's, you've got your Atlanta's and Chicago's. Um, uh, these are teams that are going to be in the playoffs this year. And so it, it it's, going to balance out I think once the schedule does a little bit more and they play some bad teams they got Sacramento tomorrow night so that'll be able to tell you a little bit more about what this team really is but you're not going to expect them to go out and, and win in Chicago win against Milwaukee that's just not going to happen at the stage where they are right now yeah look I think it's a good point and and uh I, I think that uh you know those like me who are who are uh, a little bit antsy here who are a little bit nervous that this thing hasn't played out exactly how I thought it would um, I think, look, season's long. 
We're only 12 games in. Got a lot of basketball left to play. Cade's very young. The the, the core of this team is very young. Uh, and and please, uh, for for my sanity, tell me everything's going to be all right, Rod. Will you please, please, please? Well, it it depends. It depends on what your all right is. If you're saying all right is they're going to make the playoffs and try to run for the ten no. seed, I can't tell I, you that. But I, I need um, I need marketable improvement here. I need I need some gelling. I need to see I need to see the core of what we thought this team was going to be. Um, I need to see some marketable improvement there. And I think you know, obviously, the game against Toronto that's that's a big step in that direction yeah I, I think Isaiah Stewart was a, a big piece last night he had 20 points tied his career high Killian Hayes was probably the biggest breakthrough of that that that's the type of game that you want from him 13.7 rebounds 10 assists and he yeah, was he was playing with a hurt thumb too so being able to play through that injury was big for him Cade kind of tweaked his ankle last night too played through that um, and again, people don't go into Toronto and just win like that. Toronto's a much improved team. So Scotty Barnes looks like one of the best rookies in this class. And he was the fourth pick. Um, and Cade didn't play well. As well as they played last night, Cade only had like 10 points. So that right. tells you the other pieces around him are playing better when he doesn't have to do a lot. You, for me, I don't, I don't look for Cade to score 20, 25 points. I think that's a little bit much. For him, you look at maybe 16, 18 points four or five assists and four or five rebounds. I think that's more realistic um, as, as what you want from him this year. And I think on, on social media and, and the way that people talk about it, they want him to be 20, 25 points. Yeah. And that's just not what he does. Well, I think you, you look at in those last two minutes, those two baskets, he's a guy who can go get you a bucket when you need a bucket, but it doesn't have to be in sheer volume every time. And I think people just have to reset expectations of what they're looking for. Killian Hayes is not going to be a 15, 20 a point uh, guy. He's going to be more like 10, 10 or 12 and six or seven assists. And you're okay with that. You should right. be okay with that. Yeah. Rod Beard, always good stuff, my friend. Nice talking with you. Thank you. I appreciate the time as always. Anytime. Thank you, Chris. All right. There he is, Rod Beard over at the Detroit News. All right. Coming up next, we're going to break down this Michigan-Michigan State thing yesterday. Both teams with big wins. Both teams staying in the hunt. That's the important thing. They're in the hunt. Now it's a two-game season. And for Michigan and Michigan State, very different opponents this week, very different uh, talent level in opponents this week, but nonetheless, uh, both equally as important. We'll talk about that next. Coming up here on Sports Wrap, Chris Renwick on WJR. Don't go anywhere. All right, I want to start with Michigan. Uh, as both schools win yesterday, both schools uh, taking a step up in the AP top 25. Uh, they continued to be joined at the hip. Michigan State checking in at number seven. They were eight last week. Michigan sitting at number eight. They were nine last week. So both teams moving one notch up in the AP poll. Uh, and Obviously, the AP poll means less now as we're into the college football playoff rankings. We'll talk about that in a second. Michigan State with big win over Maryland, 40-21. to 21. I think when you look back at that Purdue game, just whatever it was, a week ago, the secondary got exposed. And, and that has been the real issue in this team, of this team, all year. 
all year. We've talked about it almost every week here on Sports Wrap. But they came back against a team that throws the football pretty well. And, you know, they still racked up an, a, a, a decent number of yards. I mean, Maryland threw for 350 yards. But with that being said, the defense did enough. They did enough. They got exposed at points in that game. But they did enough. They they were they were at least, you know, they didn't get 40 hung on them like they did last week against Purdue. So right off the top, that's an improvement. And offensively, you know, you, you see a lot of the same guys that have been making plays week in and week out for this team over the course of this season, stepping up again. Jaden Reed, Peyton Thorne, Kenny Walker. Those are the guys. Monterey Foster also scored uh, early for the Spartans to put them on the board. But here's the deal. Now you've got, now you've got Ohio State. Jason, has there been a, a, a kickoff time announced for that game yet? Yeah. I haven't seen. Yeah, that'll be at noon. It's a noon game. Yep. All right. So you've got Michigan, Michigan State, uh, excuse me, Michigan State, Ohio State, noon from the shoe. That's good for the Spartans. I don't think you want a night game at Ohio State. I was a little worried that they were going to pop that one at night. So look, here's this is this is it. This is it for Michigan State. They control their own destiny there's only two of the top three dogs in the big 10 east that control their own destiny it's michigan state and it's ohio state and and you know i i think i would have a little bit more um i'd have a little bit more hope if this game was in east lansing but, uh, you know, I think this is going to be a rough one for Michigan State coming up this weekend against OSU. But look, improved secondary, which is going to have to take another step this week. It's going to have to get better. It's going to have to be the best that it has been all year. You're going to need to play arguably a flawless football game. Arguably. You're going to have to play dang near perfect. Because offensively, this team is just, they're just loaded for bear. And no, I don't think Ohio State is, is you know, untouchable. This is not the same Ohio State team that they have been in recent years. So this, this team can be beat. But you're going to need the same cast of characters who have been coming through all season. You're going to need them. Now, now is the big time. You need, you need Peyton Thorne to throw the football at a high level. You're going to need Jaden Reed to catch every football that's thrown at him. And you're going to need Kenneth Walker 
to rush for as many yards as humanly possible. You do those things, and you got a shot. But this is a tough, this is a tough spot to be in for Michigan State. But this is the spot you want to be in. This is the spot you've been you've been dying to be back in, and you're there. For Michigan, there was, you know, I think a moment in that Nebraska game where I'm sitting there down late and they got to drive the length of the field to score a touchdown to take the lead. And they did. And I remember thinking about midway through that drive, I'm just having flashbacks to 2016 at Kinnick Stadium when when Michigan lost that that last-second field goal to Iowa and really threw their Big Ten championship trip hopes alive. It just, it just killed them. Killed them. You know, you, you 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 win that football game, and remember, then you go down to Ohio State, and that was the the JT Barrett poorly poorly uh, spotted fourth down run, and you lose that game. It didn't matter; you were going anyway. It was an it was an irrelevant game if you if you won that game at Kinnick, which they lost. And so I had flashbacks to that watching that Nebraska game, but Michigan came through. They won. It's a big-time win at a hostile environment at night against a team that has nothing to lose. Nebraska had nothing to lose. Their season was over. They started off abysmal. They made, really, one of the best 180s I've ever seen mid-season in college football history. Truthfully, they were a completely different team than they were at the, at the start of the year their first couple games by the time they played Michigan. And it just, I was was like, oh my goodness, they're going to lose this football game. But they won. It's a big step. You know, Michigan going to Madison, winning at Camp Randall, big deal. That's a game they lose. They won. You know, you should have held on to beat Michigan State. Up 16, midway through the third quarter. This Penn State game, this Penn State game was another one of those, another one of those uh, items on the litmus test to figure out where this team is at. And I think this is a, this is a, they're a real, they're the legit deal. Like they're a real contender here. I, I, I believe that, and I, I've been skeptical over the last couple of weeks on Michigan. But I think they've they've shown in this game against a Penn State team that has been, you know, started the year uh, with with sky high expectations, a top five ranked team at some point, and then they just got knocked down, knocked down, knocked down. You know, that loss against Iowa was demoralizing only because Sean Clifford got hurt. And they just, they weren't the same. Then you lose to Illinois in nine overtimes. That just can't happen if you're Penn State. And then, you know, you get housed by Ohio State. Which, no harm in that. But I think that that when you when you look at the chemical makeup of that Penn State game, you look at 
Hassan Haskins and just the absolute workload that he put on his back with, you know, guys like like Corum out. That's that's a that's a championship mentality. You look at Eric All, ankle sprain a couple of weeks ago. He's been banged up. He hasn't been right. He comes out and catches the winning field goal at the end of the game. 46 yards. This team is a little different. You've got legit rush edgers along that defensive line in David Ajabo and Aiden Hutchinson. You've got a legit back end at your safety spot with Brad Hawkins and Dax Hill. Your linebackers are good. You rotate them a lot, and they're good. And Ross is a, is a legit linebacker. So I think that 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 the 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 mentality that this team has, and look, hey, Cade McNamara, good on you. This is this is another good, solid game managing performance by Cade. He ain't gonna win the Heisman. He's not putting up hundreds and hundreds of yards week in and week out, but Cade continues to just to just manage the offense. And I know a lot of you know. A lot of fans and specifically football-minded people say, oh, they hate the term, you know, game manager. It's, it's, it's demeaning to a quarterback. Not in this case. Not in this case. Cade protects the football. He puts him in good spots. And more often than not, he executes. So, look, there's a lot to be excited about if you're Michigan. There's just a lot to be excited about if you're a fan of either of these teams. All right, I'll tell you what, we'll take a break, come back. Uh, you know, we got Gridiron, uh, the, the Gridiron rap coming up next. Sean Belegian, Bill Keenest. Uh, I wonder what they're going to talk about today. <laughs> we'll ask our buddy Sean Belegian coming up next. All that and more on Sports Rap coming up here. Chris Renwick on WJR. Don't go anywhere. All right, go home, NFL. You're drunk. You're drunk. Take an Advil, chug a bottle of water, you'll feel better in the morning. What, are, what is this? What's going on today in the NFL? The Panthers have run for 31 to nothing over the Cardinals. Arizona's trying to claw their way back in at 31 to 10 with Peyton Manning and the Florida Vikings on top of the Chargers, 27-17. Eagles win over the Broncos, 27 to 13. The Packers... Uh, at home with Aaron Rodgers back, uh, they are in the fourth quarter action. About five minutes gone in the fourth quarter, they can only lead the Seahawks three to nothing. Aaron Rodgers twenty to thirty-five, two thirty-five, and a pick today. Dallas beats Atlanta forty-three to three. Tennessee beats New Orleans twenty-three twenty-one. Colts on top of the Jags twenty-three. 17. Uh, and, and of course, Sean uh, Belegian, um, that wonderful game that we needed to watch today, apparently. Chris, 16, that was 16 Lions I, uh, Steelers. What, what, not, what, what, can you explain to me what that was? I'm not joking. It was, I've never seen mutual ineptitude like we saw today. I'm not being funny, I'm not taking shots. That was mutual ineptitude. So often we're left to talk about the Lions doing Lion things. 
but both of them today, nobody wanted to win. I've never, I've never seen ineptitude like that. I hate those big grandiose overstatements. I, I, I think it's become just cliche in sports talk radio, but Chris, honestly, I've never seen a level of mutual ineptitude like I saw today. I got it. I, I want to, I did this earlier, but I wanted to do it with you because when you say it, when you see it, it makes it a whole lot worse. I want to take you back to the start of the third quarter coming out of halftime. Do you want to know what these possessions were coming out of halftime? Here's what we looked at. Detroit started with the ball. They went 85 yards on six plays, scored a touchdown. They went up six to t- 16 to 10. Next possession for Pittsburgh, 13 plays, 69 yards. They capped it off with a field goal with 16 to 13. Then Detroit punt, Steeler punt, Detroit punt, Steeler field goal tied it up at 16. Then punt, 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 end of game. You go into overtime. Detroit gets the ball first after winning the coin toss. Punt, Pittsburgh fumble, missed field goal, Detroit. Punt, Pittsburgh, punt, Detroit, fumble, Pittsburgh. I I don't know what to make of that. Like, and and here, and you gotta give credit uh to to that defense, at least down the stretch. And and in particular, um, and oh geez, I'm drawing a blank of who it was. Um, Mark Gilbert, the backup corner, he got beat by Deontay Johnson, uh, and it looked like this was going to be it. They were going to be well within field goal position. The the Steelers were going to be able to put it away. Gilbert, who just got torched, stays with the play and then able to punch the ball out of Deontay Johnson's hands to force the fumble, and then uh, Flowers hops on top of it. It was just, and, and, you know, Sean, here's the other part in all of this, is we've seen so many games where the Lions have, you know, you get a bad call and you say, you expect a call from the, the league, uh, you know, admitting that there was a, an issue with the officiating. You, the Lions got all those calls down the stretch there in overtime and they still couldn't, they still couldn't capitalize. Jared Goff had 114 yards passing. I mean, Chris, in 70 minutes of football. He had had 11 yards at halftime. You can't, you can't make this stuff. (laughs) Did you, did you see Dan Campbell's quote after the game? I didn't, I didn't see it. We were here. I was getting ready. He said, I'm in a twilight zone. I don't know what this is. Yep. I mean, that, that, I mean, that, that says it all. It, you know, so often, Chris, you know, we love our team, right? We, Mm -hmm. we love our team. We have a job to do, but we love our team. And, you know, you, you have to report accordingly sometimes when you're watching a game you get so frustrated you can't speak today was one of those days where i'm not i'm not being funny i was laughing i mean it was that overtime i've never seen anything like that amazing absolutely amazing i had the jaw open quite a bit today and it wasn't you know it wasn't like a justin tucker you know nfl a record field goal of 66 yards kind of jaw drop it was just like I could just this is this is an NFL football game. This is the highest level of football, and this is the product that's on the field. It was it was amazing because you know I heard all the talk in Pittsburgh this week was they they were actually afraid, especially like with the Lions coming off the bye. Well, what if? And then when it was announced Ben was out, then people were really worried. Oh no! Now I understand why. Yeah, I mean that was that was and and listen. It wasn't just the Lions. Let me make that crystal clear. As you so eloquently stated, 
the Steelers were every bit dreadful. equally as dreadful. I dreadful. Mean, they really were. I, the ineptitude, I, I'm going to say it, the mutual ineptitude yeah. was something to behold. It really yeah. was. Uh, big dubs for Michigan and Michigan State this yeah. weekend. I mean, that that's an understatement of the century, but – Michigan State obviously took care of business. The the secondary tightened up a little bit. It's going to need to be better even uh, next week. Um, so so good on Mel Tucker. Good on the Spartans for getting that thing right after a disappointing loss at Purdue. And then Michigan, you know, they hung with it. And and that's a tough place to play in Happy Valley. But stuck with it. And these teams now are setting up for a, quite a two game stretch. Yeah, two of the best wide receivers in all of college football next week. You got to be terrified if you're a Spartan fan and. James Franklin is going to James Franklin, man. Never, ever <laughs> apologize for a W. Both teams win. Nope. Uh, what do you guys got coming up? Yeah, well, obviously, we're going to talk a lot about the Lions game, talk about what happened uh, over the weekend, not only in the MHSAA, but certainly uh, in college football, some of those games. And look ahead to what should be, as you mentioned, a, a great finish to this Big Ten season. All right, there it is. Sean Belegian. Bill Keenis coming up next. You're not going to want to go anywhere. Sports Wrap will return next Saturday. Hopefully with a couple of big-time wins for our football teams here in this state. We'll talk to you then.